Hi there. Welcome to my podcast, You're My Matters Too, where I give an account of my own insight on issues related to mental health. In this podcast, I talk about my daily struggles with my own mental health to try and normalize and make it okay for others as well to do that. I think that mental health is everything and we don't spend as much time talking about it as we do other things. And I certainly believe that it's because of this hesitance to speak about mental health that struggling and and suffering has been associated with weakness while um, suffering in silence and suppression has been associated with strength. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had too many close calls with my own life and instances where I have personally felt I did not matter and that the world is better off if I died for me to ignore that mental health is a life-threatening issue. And um, we need to talk about these things, right? We need to be normalizing these conversations so that we can find solutions to it. And part of my effort to normalize these conversations is, is by talking about it and to share a few things um, that have come up for me while I'm learning about mental health. So if what I talk about stirs something in you or you know someone who's been through something similar, then know that you're not alone and that these things happen happen to all of us. And the first step to getting the help that we need and deserve is to first find it within ourselves to open up and to talk about these things. Now, truthfully speaking, I'm not sure what the hell I'm doing after the time I'm doing these things. And all I know is I have spent... I don't know how long trying to come up with the language of each and every emotions, uh, emotion that I've been feeling in an effort to understand what they mean for me and how I can learn from it. And it's through that struggle and through all of that learning that I keep coming up to the same thing. And each time I do, I'm more fascinated by it than before. But the thing that keeps coming up for me time and time again is how important it is as human beings for us to seek and find real human connection. And I know I've spoken about connection in length and God knows I've quoted Dr. Brene Brown more times than I've quoted anyone else in my life simply because this word keeps coming up for me in every little way and each time it does, it clashes with particular emotions that I may be struggling with. So, for example, when I feel sad and alone, my immediate reaction is to try and distract myself. So I'll put in a movie, I'll put on music, I'll blast the sound until I can't hear my thoughts anymore. I'll literally do anything, then sit down and pause and think about how sad and alone I feel. And I found that the only thing stronger than the urge to distract myself from from this thought is just how great it is. Um, and how great it feels to pick up my phone and talk to a friend or to write or to read a really good book. And so it's in all of these moments that I realize what I'm really trying to do is I'm just seeking to be understood and to be felt and to be seen. And that's what it means to connect. So whether it's through actively listening to someone talk about their problems or their loneliness or unhappy they are with their work, or sitting down the friend who's been struggling with, with pressures to belong or through feeding my, my little niece who clings onto my hand with the strength of a bull as I, as I watch her suckle, her little bottle of milk. Um, it's through these greatest little flickers moments of normalcy in my life that I've learned what it truly means to seek out connection and what it truly means to be without it. And I have constantly sought connection through relationships and books and movies and stories 
and have sought to understand meanings of things like love and fear and faith. And in all of that time, while I did this, I struggled to understand my own emotions that keep coming up for me. So this is my attempt at sharing some of those insights that I've learned. And today, um, I'm going to use my favorite two words like storytelling, um, words and storytelling to connect with some of you about some of the little insights I've gained since the last time I shared a podcast with you. My name is Mariam and welcome to my podcast, Your Mind Matters Too. I have to say, as I do in every episode, that this is not a medical podcast. Nothing I say here should be construed as medical advice. If you need mental health assistance, then reach out and I'll help you connect to certified uh, to with certified oh English. I'll help you connect to certi- certified doctors trained in this sort of thing. What I do here is I just share my experience and it is not meant as a substitute to medical advice or medical assistance. Uh, That said, if you feel you need to share your own experience, I'm more than willing and very, very open to use this podcast as a way for people to share the experience um, as well. So reach out and let's have a conversation about it. I've recently started a segment called Zoom with Mari and this is a segment where I talk with some of my favorite people on this podcast uh, about a range of topics and I interview them on really everything. But really it's just, um, it's just an opportunity for us to have deeper and meaningful conversations. So sometimes it may not be fun or comfortable, but I promise it's always real and it may be even a little heavy sometimes. But I think the goal is to talk about things that we find are heavy and to make space for those kinds of conversations in our lives. Uh, I've done one episode so far with my good friend Masuma, who, amongst other things, really is just a warrior and a champion for mental health. If you haven't listened to it, you know, just go give that a listen. It's one of those conversations where I felt stirred up a lot of things for me on issues relating to abuse, intimate partner violence, and just the whole struggle of, of healing. So it's an awesome conversation, and if you have not listened to it, again, like I said, go ahead and check it out. Let me know what you think. And um, in case you, hadn't, you haven't read the title, uh, today's episode is a continuation of my last episode about the power of naming your emotions. So just to do a little recap about the past episode, um, about the previous episode, Um, I talked about how we learn as kids to quickly give names to things as we grow up. And I find it crazy that we stop learning that lessons when it comes to our emotion. Somehow, so many of us have become quite stuck in our emotional growth because we're not taught to actively deal and manage our emotions as we're growing up. 
So if you've grown up with the tools and the language to help you manage with every emotion you you deal with, then you're extremely lucky because not not everyone can say that. I know from personal experience that I was conditioned uh while I was growing up, I was conditioned to keep silent and to carry my pain like it was a badge of honor. I was taught to be in service of others even when I was completely drained and not to complain about it. So obviously where emotions are concerned, I'm the worst person to talk about it because it's only been in recent years that I've been brave enough to sit with my emotions and to try and learn from them instead of stuffing them inside or ignoring them as I was conditioned to do. I think I think that's sort of the case for many of us who grew up in households where mental health is never a topic of discussion. So um when when you're grown when you're growing up and you have this kind of circumstance and and you don't really have an active choice to learn about your emotions. But if you are lucky enough to make the active choice to learn about your emotions now, then you know that you're going to have to come up with a lot of hard choices. You have to make a lot of hard um choices to learn and unlearn some of the things that hurt your mental health and all i'm saying is like it's it's a lot of work if you if you know that you grow you were growing while you're growing up you were taught never to talk about your emotions or to ignore or to pretend all of that if if that was your condition growing up then if you want to change that now it's going to take a lot of work um but it's not impossible and i'm learning that it's not impossible so i want to give a few personal details about myself just to give you context i grew up in a very lively packed household i grew up with lots of cousins um who became brothers and sisters and our house was always packed and it was extremely active we would do everything big we would do big lunches big dinners big breakfasts big outings big celebrations we just went big uh, because of the size of the family so um because of a bunch of stuff that happened in my life that I'm not going to share here um I was constantly competing for attention with other kids but I've also been quite shy and reserved in the inside and very introverted so growing up in a big household it meant that I hated big loud noises and our household was always loud whether it was someone yelling at someone to get them a spoon in the kitchen or an adult screaming for someone to get them something from the bedroom or a kid um breaking something or crying because they fell down and got hurt it was always noisy it was very i think very chaotic for a while and it was very triggering for me because i didn't know it at the time but these things noise and chaos they are very triggering for me and they remain so until presently. So if you know me very well then you know I hate loud and crowded places and I say I hate people even though I actually love getting to know people because as a kid um I hated um I hated being so uh emotionally stirred up with with all of this chaos in that was happening in my life. Uh But also as a kid I hated sitting with the grown-ups because they were always somehow like backbiting someone or talking about someone. And more often than not I would be scolded or asked to leave the room wherever they started talking quote unquote grown-up things. But that left me um I had to hang out with kids my age obviously. So that would be like my my siblings 
like my cousins and stuff and oftentimes in that environment i remember quite enjoying specifically enjoying my cousin brothers company because they didn't talk much they just played like whether it was climbing trees or destroying little ant houses whatever mischievous things that little boys do those and a lot of talking involved and i loved it because it meant i got to hang out with my with my brothers but it also meant that i wasn't really learning how to deal with my emotions as they were coming up to the surface so i didn't learn how to honor and understand my emotions and that's kind of how i've learned to deal with things in life and that was okay for a while because i didn't know better but it also made me a very actively avoidant person and because of that it's always felt something inside me was missing like there's this disconnect from who i was and who i pretended or who i wanted everyone around me to think i was cuz like i could smile one minute and um be hurting deeply inside the next and i kind of had to do that for a long time because i didn't know better and i didn't have an alternative and it's just what i learned growing up but um now i've learned that this is called being high functioning where basically i can go through the motions and appear to be fine even though um suicidal and depressed and and I could do everything I'm supposed to do so I could do work I could do school I could do hang out with friends and meeting up and all of that even when I was hurting now if this sounds similar to you then you know the problem with high functioning is that you don't control when the f- the switch sort of gets flipped off you never know when your brain and your body can no longer pretend you, that you're fine you know so you can find yourself crashing after a day being happy and enjoys and going like why am i happy one minute and sad the next you know and i'm not saying that every person who's happy and sad the next minute is high functioning obviously but i am saying that if you've learned to live through trauma and painful moments in your life by pretending you're fine then chances are you're high functioning so um I have a joke with my one of my of my good friends about scheduling scheduling breakdowns. So um so my friend who's a designer um has like she does she has like a whole fashion label and and stuff. And so she does this big fashion projects where she's like either taking part in in like a fashion show or just doing fa- big like tailoring orders or something. So her job can be super stressful and really nerve-wracking and so i would call her sometime and she'll go like um you know i'm lowkey having a mental breakdown but because i've got this thing with work that i have to do i don't have the luxury to break down so i'll schedule this breakdown for december after like maybe this event is done or maybe this project is done and so it became a thing between us where because we're so high function we've learned to pause and schedule the minutes that uh the moment that we can get to feel our emotion which is basically breaking down and um which doesn't work by the way um it's also an extremely unhealthy way to deal with things and stress but that's kind of how we've dealt with things and how we've joked about it so we have that inside running joke about december being the time that we get to break down about what's happening whatever stress is happening in our life Obviously when December comes we don't give ourselves the grace to break down because we have to reschedule that as well. 
Um, but in the months in between, we would consistently relapse in our eating disorders, would make terrible life decisions, would have mini breakdowns in, in between weeks and days and would be hurting and gaining some, some newfound realizations and making a shit ton of mistakes as well. Then rinse and repeat. And, you know, that's kind of how we've always dealt with things. And like I said, it's not the healthiest way to deal with stressful situations. But that's kind of how I've, I've been doing things my entire life. So, you know, um, surprise, surprise, the universe keeps throwing you things in life that you kind of have to learn from. So that's been my loop. Um, I guess dealing with my emotions and my trauma is the universe's lesson that I have to learn. And because I was never taught that it was okay to feel my feelings, I never learned how to do it. Um, And I'm still learning how to do it now. But one thing that I've known is to be true about myself is that I'm a deeply feeling human being. So I have to learn how to feel my emotions without finding ways to distract or hide or suppress them. And one of the ways that I've learned how to do that is by being around people who have pushed me to feel. And I've learned really early on, um, I think, in my life, a lesson on compassion because of that. I've learned how to be compassionate with people who are hurting uh, because they have learned to, because they were never taught the grace to be compassionate. Um, You know, like I've learned how to be compassionate with people who are hurting because some of the people who've taught me those greatest lessons in compassion have been people who know who've known it less and there were instances where I was growing up where I could not understand how to open my feelings but I knew how to support someone else who was struggling so I took those roles quite seriously you know the role of mother hen caretaker the person who knew how to hold spaces for someone else even though I never knew how to hold space for myself And this only got worse when I started exploring dating in my early teens, which again, that's also another conversation that I've never had in my household. But I remember being like 14, maybe 15, having the biggest crushes on the most damaged boys in my school and in my circle. Um, My first like proper like guy that I dated was, uh, he had scars on his wrists from trying to kill himself. He was maybe 17 and he was already, I could say, alcohol dependent, even at that age. Um, He was super smart and very artistic, um, a very talented rapper. So he would write some verses and some songs and I would read some of the verses he wrote. And this one time I read, um, like, it was like a short story where... Uh, He wrote like it was I think maybe a short story or a poem or something where he wrote about killing himself and um, I didn't know I didn't have enough emotional granularity at the time to know what it meant when someone felt that way But I remember knowing that it was bad. I remember thinking he must be really really sad um, and wanting him to not be sad anymore I've been told I have like an aura or an energy which makes it safe and inviting for people to open up to me. And I don't know anything about auras or energies, but I do know that some of the closest people that I've gotten, uh, that, you know, some of my closest people are people whose pain I could deeply recognize and understand. 
And the more I got close to people like that, the more I got deeply conscious of my own pain. So I could write a whole book about people's pain. And here's what I've learned so far. We're all damaged and broken and hurt and bruised by something or someone that someone that some that happened to us. And no one is safe from any of that. I've also learned that the best people who find a way to heal from this scarring of life are the people who give themselves permission to feel each and everything that life throws at them. And we give such people names, right? We call them trailblazers, we call them healers, we call them survivors, and all of that because we recognize the only thing that a broken person fears more than their own brokenness is the act of facing that brokenness head on and saying, come at me, give it your best shot. I'm going to repeat that. The only thing that a broken person fears more than their own brokenness is the act of facing that brokenness head on and saying, come at me, give it your best shot. And these people we call healers and trailblazers and survivors, they do that on a daily basis. So of course we treat them with wonder. We look up to them in awe because we know that they're doing what we hope to do for ourselves. We hope to face our pain head on and say, come at me, give it your best shot. Now, in this podcast, I've talked about how I struggle with my eating disorder, how for so long I thought my body had to look a certain way for me to be lovable enough and for me to be enough. I've talked about how that's made me consciously and unconsciously harm my own body in ways that I have yet to learn and my entire life to heal from. What I do not talk about is the triggers that often bring me to this place where I hurt myself by not eating or overeating. And some people who I've spoken to about ED often seem to think that it's about some vanity about looking good. I think that with every eating disorder, uh, there's an escape god of a reason as to why people do it. But it's never really the reason people do it. And for me, the feelings of being ugly or not sexy enough or not being wanted stem very clearly from one thought. I do not exist if I'm not wanted. I'm completely immaterial, unimportant, and worthless unless I'm wanted by someone else. And do you know how utterly jarring it is to be a little kid, to look at yourself in the mirror and think, you're worthless unless you look like those people you see on TV. Or to get older and to be told or to hear people say that so-and-so is beautiful and we want them and to think because they're not saying that about you, then somehow something is wrong with you and that you're unworthy. Unfortunately, we live in a world where it's easier to just assume that if I think that, then I'm being vain. Then to think that there must be something deeper and something far more complicated involved beneath that. So I guess unconsciously, I have never seen people struggle as just something that they struggle with. I've always understood it as something deeper being stored inside of them. So I listen and I hold space and I offer hugs and I say, talk to me, how can I help? And I say and mean it when I say the words, are you okay? Because I get it. There's always something more a little bit over the surface. I know that many, I know that, I know now that many of my struggles stem from the fact that I lack what is called emotional granularity. And um, now... Emotional granularity, as defined by Dr. Susan David um, from medical, from Harvard Medical School, 
who studied emotional granularity, by the way, um, she's defined it as the skill set that allows you to understand what you're feeling and your difficult experiences. Um, I was so desperate to get people to tell me about their emotions because I was so incredibly disconnected from my own. I never knew how, how to honor my feelings. I was never taught how to do that. So I honored others people, other people's feelings and hoped that they would honor mine. But one thing that I've learned is that if I could not hold space for my own emotions, why should I expect someone else to hold space for my emotions for me? You know? Now, another problem that comes with the lack of emotional granularity is you could end up giving the wrong names to complex feelings, um, to complex emotions, which end up communicating very different messages to your brain and to your body. I'm going to repeat that again. Another problem that comes with a lack of emotional granularity is you could end up giving the wrong names to complex emotions, which ends up communicating very different messages to your brain and to your body. For example, when my little niece was starting to, um, was just learning how to talk, she used to confuse cold and hot. She would say something was hot when she meant it was cold and vice versa. When she was just learning how to speak, she would be covered up like in layers and layers of, clo of clothes because we would think that um, when she said Naskia Baridi, she would mean that she was cold. So we would cocoon her in blankets and, and layers and layers of, of clothes. And she would cry and cry nonstop until one day we realized that what she meant when she said she feels um, cold is that she feels hot, which um, which meant that another funny thing is because she couldn't tell us what she needed, because she couldn't identify exactly what she was feeling, we couldn't help her the way that she needed us to help her, which is another funny thing that happens when you fail to understand what you're feeling. Um, you fail to ask for the proper help that you need. So often you hear people being like, I'm stressed about my life. And then when you ask what's stressing about it, they're going to tell you about how they're broke or how they're in a dead-end relationship, or how they're in a job that they hate, or how they're in a school that they hate, how they're, sh they're scared about life and the pressures um, to succeed. And all of these things are stressful, but they don't really describe how you feel, you know? Like, if you ask someone, how do you really feel about being broke? They'll say, I feel hopeless. I feel scared. I feel unworthy of this and that. And this, this is where you properly get to name your emotions. And until you can say that, you can, until you can start looking at each emotion for what it is, you can't really uncomplicate your life. You can't really understand how to experience life, you know. And honestly, Yamani, life is hard. There is no way you can exist by being alive and not experience just how hard life is. The only acceptable and manageable way to handle this life hardness situation is by recognizing and honoring all the ways that life can get hard. And a good place to do that is simply giving a name to emotions. I'm going to say that again. There is no way you can exist by being alive and not experience how hard life is. And the only acceptable and manageable way to handle it is by recognizing and honoring all the ways that life can get hard. And a good place to do that is by simply giving a name 
to your emotions. I had this story about how knowing what you're feeling and being able to name it was scientifically proven to help make your life better. And there's there's like research and there are books and articles written about it. And I think those researches and books and those articles, I think they're extensive enough. You don't need me to tell you to disseminate that information to you. So I won't tell that story. I won't tell it because it makes me sound like I know what I'm talking about and I know I've said it in very many different ways at least 10 times on this podcast um that I don't know anything. So I won't tell you that story because truthfully those people in those studies, those doctors who took their time to carry out that research, the volunteers who dedicated their time to help them complete it, the people who published it in books and platforms and platforms online. Everyone who helped report those studies and the people who took the time to read and consume and understand and argue and resonate. People like me, we don't really care if someone knows that story. But I do know that what I do really care about is knowing how to deal with difficult emotions. And I know you don't need me to tell you that. So I won't tell you that. So I don't have a story to tell. But here's the thing. I do have a story to live. A story that is crafted from mistakes and lessons and will be crafted some more with more mistakes and bigger lessons. And maybe there'll be a few plot twists along the way. And I know you have that story too. And maybe while I'm writing my story, we'll meet somewhere and I'll tell you all about the researches I've consumed and the books I'll keep reading and the first the most fascinating things I like to talk about. Maybe you'll tell me a couple stories too. Whatever it will be, I know one thing for sure. If it's honest and if it's real, I won't need a Harvard medical paper to tell me what it means or to understand your biology for me to be able to feel it, for me to be able to appreciate it. I won't need any of that because I'll be able to see you and maybe you'll be able to see me too. And I think that's what happens when we stop trying to figure things out too much. When you get into your head, you forget to feel. So get into your heart instead. And when you do that, when you get into your heart, you realize you have the tools you need to make everything in your life work the way it's supposed to. I'm going to say that again. When you get into your heart, you realize you have the tools you need to make everything in your life work the way it's supposed to. Emotions fuel us to work better. And if emotions are the fuel, then best believe we are the cars running up and down. And we've been told that learning how to suppress our emotions and ignoring them or even running away from them is the way we run properly. And I don't know much about cars, but I don't think they travel far enough without fuel in them. And yes, we have hybrid and electric cars and some smart as hell people out there that have been trying to figure out ways that we can get to places without completely destroying our environment. But still, for most of us here, we still need fuel in our cars. So use your fuel. Get your tank filled up and drive your car. Your emotions are never a weakness. They're your greatest strengths. They are what connects you with other people and what keep you human. 
without it you die so wouldn't it be better to be able to understand your emotions and to know how to handle them wouldn't it be better to be at your best self when you're working through this difficult complicated labyrinth that we call life you can't do that if you cannot fully understand the things happening inside of you i don't know about you but i don't know anyone who has made a su- successful attempt at being alive without feeling anything and since i feel everything and i have half a mind to think that maybe just maybe some of you feel everything too i really want to understand the things happening inside me and i know a good place to start is by honestly saying the things that i feel so here are some of the things i feel i feel grateful for each and every one of you that takes a moment to listen to me I feel understood when I share some of my truths and get to know some of yours as well. I feel seen when I can be both soft and gentle and strong by feeling each and everything I can feel and know that someone's got me. Most importantly, I feel hella proud of myself to know that above all else, I got me too. So I hope you get you too. I hope you get yourself so hard that you will do everything you possibly can. to make the best out of life and your role in it. And if I didn't say it enough, hear me now when I say, I hope that starts by giving yourself the grace to feel your emotions and to understand them. My name is Mariam. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Until next time.